Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Playful Podcast, your guide into the underground scene where we discover topics on kink and electronic music every week. Don't forget to subscribe to not miss out on our next episode. We're excited to be here today with DJ Nick Moody. Nick is from Amsterdam, now lives in Berlin. And in Amsterdam was where he started DJing and partying at a very early age. This has brought him to some insights about psychedelics that we are here to talk more about today. But first, we want to highlight that this is not a conversation with any professional inputs, but just a conversation where personal experiences are shared. If you or anyone you know is suffering from drug use, there is help to get. We also don't recommend anyone below the age of 18 to listen to this episode. In this conversation, we compare the Berlin and Amsterdam techno and party scenes, as well as their drug climates. We also speak about Nick's journey and what made him change his mind on what he needs for a good party, as well as what this can say about the time we live in, and so much more. Let's get it. I am Amanda, and this is Playful Podcast. Anyways, I'm so happy to have you here, yeah, finally, as I just yeah. said. Welcome to Playful Podcast. Thanks for having me. So excited me. to have you, have you here. And we're going to speak some about psychedelics yeah. and partying and clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> but first of all, like, um, yeah, you started your musical, your own musical because mm-hmm. you're also a DJ. Yeah. So your own musical journey super early. Yeah. What like how did you get into music or like electronic music? It was actually pretty accidental, or I was very lucky, is what I always say, because there was uh, there was this brand in the Netherlands called Thunderdome, it's still there. It's the biggest gabber event of the world, I guess, one yeah. of the oldest events, and I was yeah, I was a pretty big fan of it. It's like my parents always used to go to raves, uh, not these kind of raves. They used to go to more like the trendy, old school Chesto, old school Armin van Buren in the early 2000s when the genre was just rising up. And I think I always got inspired by seeing them go to these big events and I also like wanted to be having to do something with it. Um, and I remember just, I think it was television. We had a 
television channel called The Box. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was here as well, but you had like teletext where you could look up codes to like tracks and oh, yeah. then you have to text the network and they would play the song and so you could request your own songs. But it was like, uh, they played a lot of Gabber music there as well. So that for me as a young kid was the only place because we didn't have, no, we didn't have internet back then. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's how I discovered this music and it was hard and aggressive. It's like everything, you know, little young kids <laughs> thinks would be cool. Um, and I started a radio program uh, online and I was the first one to start a, a forum. There was like a, there's a forum website called Party Flock. Before social media, Facebook, Instagram, this was the place to be for mm. everyone who was in the rave community in the Netherlands. And I started the topic over there. And I think two episodes later, because it was a weekly show, they did like a, a giveaway. You could win a CD and you only had to email them why. So I was How like, old were you? I was 10 or 11 oh, back wow. then. Yeah. So it was, hey, I'm Nick, I'm 11 years old. I'm like a huge fan. Also a DJ, so all my allowance money goes to records uh, and the CD. It's pretty expensive for a little kid back in the day. So I was like, I really hope to win the CD. Mm. And then I think the next day already, I got an email back. was like, well, don't worry about the CD. You got that. But it's so cool that you're DJing. How would you like to play with us next week already? And wow. Yeah, then I remember I was just a little kid crying and screaming around the house because my biggest dream suddenly came true within like one email. So that's, yeah, that's how I got into it. And uh, that's from the photo you have on your Instagram? Yeah, 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 that's yeah. That's epic. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you must have been so overwhelmed. I was pretty, yeah, because for me there was, it's, it's like, basically if you compare it to techno, Thunderdome would be Bergheim. Yeah. So for me there was like, suddenly I was like in, in the biggest brand in, in the scene and it was like, it was Insane. super overwhelming. Yeah. But also very, like, I was always looking up to that world and these people, but as soon as I became part of it, uh, also like the, the looking up to it like faded away because oh, yeah. it's not it became a, normal. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not the illusion anymore. No, exactly. Ah, right. So how did it evolve from then? Because then you were like 10, 11 year already in mm-hmm. the in the DJ booth, already like, you know, start being part of the the scene and the parties that follow mm-hmm. so and your parents did you ever also party with your parents by the way well back in the days not you were too I, young I, did, I didn't think yeah that was the first problem <laughs> <laughs> and I, did, I didn't think it was cool either plus we had like different tastes in music ah, they tolerated mine uh, and they always went along with me so they went with me to clubs and to festivals and to gigs and to the radio show very often so they were involved, but we didn't party together. All right. That did happen later, though. Like once I start uh, working in the music industry, and I could like invite them to all the parties and festivals I was working, oh they would, would become the standard. They still join some festivals or parties. I think my mom is even coming to Berlin this summer. I'm gonna take her to Bergheim. I'm gonna show her around. Um, so yeah, so they they still uh, join so sometimes. So sweet. Yeah. So, but like. But then, because I guess your friends were older than you were then. Mm-hmm. The ones you parted with, I guess. Yeah. Because, well, yeah. yeah, I have to say, like, the backstage culture doesn't really party. It's more like being present at these events mm. and, and less about partying. Um, but yeah, all these people were like at least 10, 20 years older than I was. So I always grew up with people surrounding me. They were much older. Yeah. yeah. 
did you get in contact with uh, drugs and alcohol at back then too, or did you feel that you were protected from that? Yeah, if so? I was very protected in the beginning because they all were like we have a little boy in our presence. I mean, they were not like hiding it from me, but uh, I wasn't allowed to partake in that until I was, I think, fifteen. No, I think it was yeah, fifteen or sixteen when I did hard drugs for the first time. Of course, I had smoked a joint before. From the Netherlands, so it's quite yeah. But um, no, no. When I was a little kid, not too much. It was, and it was also good because I was like, because of them protecting me, I was also a bit like, no, I, I don't do drugs, you know. Yeah, so I'm proud of like, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that changed later when I got a bit older and I could like finally go to these parties as well. Besides just being there for an hour to play a set, and then the promoter getting a little nervous and being like, oh, guys, yeah. getting a little bit late, maybe <laughs> need to leave now. <laughs> but then once that was not a problem anymore, yeah, then I started partying properly. Ah, uh, yeah. But um, like in Amsterdam, are you legal? Is it legal to go clubbing when you're 15? No, it's 18. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. had like some fake ID or whatever. No, yeah, there was the... I was lucky that I was involved in these people who oh, were like right. running the shows that I could like always be on the guest list oh, or join me. I remember the first time Thunderdome was in 2006. Mm. I was allowed to look at the build-up. Like this is a massive indoor festival for like 50,000 people. I think, yeah, 50,000 people now. That was huge and I could go there and check it out. And I remember them being at some point, it was like one hour before opening time and they were like, Oh, you're in already, so like, I'm not gonna find you. But if they do, never ever tell them it was us letting you in. <laughs> you're like, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but um, so what you okay? So, um, but how was it then? Because you got in contact with harder drugs when you were like 15, and then you evolved a, a bit of an addiction. Yeah, that happened. I think a little bit later. Because this was like when I was 15, and I wouldn't even call it using drugs. So like no, sometimes trying it a little bit, but it was not like part of my system. Mm. I think this happened a bit later because when um, I got involved in Thunderdome and the radio show and DJing, it was also the moment my parents were divorcing, and I think I just like this was my way out. Like I could go to Amsterdam and out with these guys, be in the music industry, be part of the cool people, you know. So it was perfect for me to like escape every like the, the the chaos and the uncomfortabilities that were going home uh, going on at home at the time mm. and i think i slowly started to develop like a little bit of a unhealthy coping mechanism by that and at first it wasn't even drugs it was drinking mostly because that was the one thing that i was allowed and also could afford i mean i was a little boy <laughs> like i'm not gonna spend my fucking money on drugs um, but alcohol was of course always present in these backstages it's always a fridge and stage manager happy to hand out drinks so that was my go-to drug so to say and yeah over the years i think it was when i was 24 it was when i had my first real breakdown and then I started realizing that, hey, uh, this is not a very healthy way. Then, then I like, realized basically that I, that I had an addiction. Um, but then you were taking drugs every weekend. Or what was the... No, drugs, drugs was not really the problem back then. Alcohol. Yeah, alcohol mostly. Yeah. There was, like, and only at parties when I was not only drinking at, at home. So never at, yeah, yeah. alone at home? No, no, no. So I wouldn't was that like a block you had in your mind? Like, I'm not going to drink at home alone. Yeah. Just to like keep it safe, or you know, like not crossing that boundary. Mm -hmm. No, not even consciously, but it was just not 
like I wasn't even thinking about it. Like, why would you drink at home? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the alcohol was part of partying. Yeah, yeah. And so that's where it happened, luckily. Uh, so I wouldn't call it like a major addiction. But then when I had this breakdown, it was like after breaking up with my first real girlfriend. And it's always the moment when you finally get like a mirror and there's someone like truly telling you how your behavior is and how it's influencing them. Um, yeah, that happened. So I started to pay a bit more attention to mm. my habits and the way I was behaving. And when I tried to go to therapy, that's where they told me, like, yeah, Nick, if you are on these parties every weekend, then we don't really know if we're treating the feelings that are coming out of your heavy weekends or that these are your real feelings. So then they were like, yeah, maybe you need to try to lay it down a little bit. And that was pretty difficult because back then my life was already, let's say, 90% based in nightlife. It was my work, my personal life, my friends, my creative outlet, my hobby, like everything was already uh, evolving around nightlife. So it's really hard to like take drugs and substances out of the equation if it's your whole life. So when I went to rehab, it was more like therapy. You go there once a week. Um, mm just to talk and like see what's the problem, where it's coming from and try to come up a bit with a system. And for me, that was, yeah, like I said, was hard to completely block it out. Mm-hmm. Of course, it is possible. There are some people, artists that I know that are definitely doing it. And yeah. It's like, I'm super proud of these people. But it also, takes strength. Yeah, mm. a lot. And you basically also have to like step aside from the scene a little bit. Like mm. These people mostly come in, do their show, go out again. You don't see them in the backstages, they don't have their party. And that's like, yeah, that's a commitment you have to do because this is the way things go in the industry most of the time. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was the moment that I learned that I had a problem, but luckily it was a very innocent problem uh, back then. And uh, that was also my, my start of like healing myself and working on myself. So I'm actually pretty grateful that it happened and that I got these insights and yeah. also learned uh, a lot about myself. Yeah. And then you tried some ayahuasca or what happened? Like- yeah, yeah. That, that, that followed really quickly afterwards. I think this breakdown that I was talking about happened in 2017, by the end of the year. No, in the middle of the year. And I remember then when I went to rehab, I went completely sober. So I stopped drinking, smoking, weed, drugs, everything you can think you, of. When you were 24? 24, yeah. You went to rehab for how long? I think it only took like two months, two or three months, because then I was already sober. Uh, like, yeah, first month was a bit struggling. Second month, I finally managed to get everything out of my system. And then they said, do it one month. So you can like feel how life is without these substances in your system. How did it feel like? Pretty, I have to say, not a huge difference, because for me, the problems were mostly weekend related. Mm. Like I said, not weekly, it was not like in my, it was not an ongoing team in my life. So I can imagine if you like get sober after drinking every day or, well, I have to say I smoke weed every day. So I did, I did stop with something that was influencing me daily. And also, I mean, it's, it's not only the, the, um, the drugs or alcohol, it's also like the social thing that you, it's also a part of it. Like the, I guess it's some social abstinence Mm -hmm. a bit too, like not, and not getting the kicks from the clubs and. Yeah, that, that was hard. I needed, I needed to find like a bit of a structure for myself there. So first, like of course, you you don't have hangovers anymore. You don't wake up and you're like, what did I do last night? Or this feeling that something might have happened. You know. So that was really good for me to like calm down. But then exactly what you are saying now is what 
what I was struggling with because I missed the connection with my friends and like I could not join them in their ways of partying as mm. I used to do before. But I came up with a bit of a clever trick um, since I was already so like working in nightlife. I basically said for my, to myself, okay, you're just going to be present at events while working. And then it's also going to be a lot easier to like stay away from substance, substances because you can just tell yourself, hey, I'm at work. You're also like doing something else. Because back in the days, I was the backstage manager of where I was Elementenstraat in Amsterdam, mm. which is uh, it's a big club where they used to, it's more like a warehouse and they used to throw raves like Reactor in there. And yeah, so I was basically serving all the people and making sure that they had their fun and everything would go smoothly during the night. But in the meantime, that, that, that helped me to get, stay away from all of that. And it was for me the perfect fix because then I could still be involved. I did not have to let go of my work, my friends, my social life, whatever. Um, and I did that for a full year. But then I, I reached the point that I was like, yeah, it's also quite boring, <laughs> just oh, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was from the beginning on. It was never the, um, the goal to completely stay away from substances, but rather to learn how to control them. So I already in my mind, it was like, okay, I need to make a point because one month became two, two months became three, four, rehab stopped in the meantime because it was clean and doing a good job. And I was like, how long am I going to take on with this? And I was like, mm. oh, I'm not going to change 10 years of, of, of habits within a few months. So maybe just take one year, a full year. I remember doing Awakenings Festival <laughs> through Awakenings Festival. It was the first time that I got back in, in, in the party scene again. Okay. And after that, my relationship with substances completely changed, mm -hmm. I have to say. Alcohol was not a... I remember first when I was like having a drink, the second drink would be in my mind already. And that completely changed. Now, well, you offered me a beer before we started the talk. I barely drink alcohol anymore. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that really changed. And also with the drugs, it was mostly cocaine because that's the, the, the Gabber scene is just strong liquor and cocaine. That's mm. the, the main thing. Even though I never bought it, it was just always like getting bumps from people who, who had it. But it also changed. It was like, no, I don't, don't want this substance anymore. It's not like... And how, what, what, was it just that you associated this with you not feeling good in yourself? Or what do you think made the click for you? I think just the... Well, I think I know. Um, we're coming back to the ayahuasca that you yeah, mentioned exactly. about earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were, like, of course, staying absent for a sub from a substance for such a long of time, it changes your relationship. So I think that just the time already of not taking it uh, already had a big, uh, took a big part in, in, in my change. But ayahuasca is something I started with, I think I was two months sober. And then I got an email, or no, a Facebook event invite. <laughs> I was from a friend uh, who organized these ceremonies in Amsterdam. Um, and I, was, I already heard some pretty good stories about it. And I was super interested, scared as well. But uh, I was like, okay, fuck it, I'm just going to join. And then I went there, did the first ceremony. And then the whole plant medicine journey started because there was a, well, it wasn't really a life changing moment the first time I did ayahuasca. Came like later on, a few ceremonies later. Uh -huh. How was the first? What was the first time like then? Scary, <laughs> really, right. really scary. I just okay. went there by myself in a group of people that I never met. Uh, but you, had you then done any psychedelics before ayahuasca? Yeah. So that was like seeing things were not your normal. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, no, I don't think I really was onto psychedelics before. Mm. So this was the first time. I remember being very visual and like, like you said, seeing things that were not there uh, mm. or were there, but you're not able to see them without taking the medicine. Um, but I was, yeah, I was, I was really scared, really nervous as well, because it, uh, you, you don't know what's going to happen. You just know, like, you're going to take something and then for a few hours it will take over control of you. Yeah, you're not going to come back in, like, the closest seven hours. No. So it's yeah. like a commitment. Yeah, and you can also not be like, hey, guys, I don't like this, take me out. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. you know, like, once you and go... game yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, in the end, I remember coming home and I was like... I don't really know what it's all the fuss about. It was like a, a beautiful experience, but nothing life-changing yet. But that's also what, it, what the shaman told me, because uh, they always fly in shamans from the South America, from mm. the Amazon. Um, and they told me, like, do it three times at least. Um, so I just continued this journey, and then later on some big changes started to happen. What was it? Yeah, that's di it's like different every time, but I remember I did it three times in Amsterdam. I always felt like mm, I want to go, I feel I can go a little bit deeper. Because also in Amsterdam you have to realize that when you partake in such a ceremony, you just have your life going on. So you finish your work or maybe you take a day off and you prepare and then um, you go there. But ceremony mostly lasts one night um, and then you go back to your normal life again. Mm -hmm. So they advised me, okay, go to South America and go to the Amazon where the medicine comes from and just do a retreat. Um, so I did. I went to the, to the Amazon of Bolivia for three and a half weeks. Three and a half yeah. weeks? That's a long, long time. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a long Intense. time. Yeah, we started the, the whole, that was called the shamanic retreat. We started in the Andes where I did an, uh, an ayahuasca ceremony. And that was not on the schedule, so I just arrived at the, at the complex and we were there, everyone was like gathering. I was the only non-Spanish speaking person as well, so everything was being explained to Spanish and then like five minutes of English. I was like, okay, I feel like I'm being a little bit left out here. So I was super nervous and then they explained like, okay, we're going to do a ceremony tonight. Totally not prepared, and not on the schedule. Me being a super control freak, I was like um. starting to freak out. And then during that ceremony, um, I think that was my first breakthrough. It was like a very, it was a stone ceremony room. It's like a hut outside on the land. Well, in Amsterdam, we always had like yoga centers, or, like really nice, beautiful places with, with blankets and with like mattresses and, and nice buckets and people taking care of you. And in Bolivia, it was like really hardcore. It was just like sit down on a bit of stone uh, and candles would go out completely dark. Uh, everyone like helping in the ceremony was also uh, taking the medicine as well. So it was also a bit like, oh, so no, one is, <laughs> no one is sober here. <laughs> and then I got the most scary ceremony that I ever had. It was like, at, at some point, I just remember I, I, I was, because I was trying to hold control. And, and ayahuasca is all about like letting go of control. And that's when the magic starts to happen. It's like I always call it, I compare it with like being a marionette. Mm. It's like you're not in control anymore once you take the medicine. And as long as you try to take that control, you're going to have a bad time because the puppet master is way more stronger than you are. And that's the lesson I learned there. But that was a much bigger team, of course, because it was not only me trying to have control in the ceremony, it was like me trying to control everything in my life. Oh, 
So that's a, that's an example of so something. So then ayahuasca was just slapping your face over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's a lesson I'm, I'm still not fully integrated because this is a feedback I still get sometimes. Like you're way too tense. You're trying to control everything, and just life is just about letting go and letting experience go. it. Yeah. So yeah. this is an example of how these like ceremonies, like something like small in the ceremony, have a big impact on the rest of your life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, but then how come you moved from Amsterdam to Berlin? Mm. Well, um, let me know if, if I should take out the. No, I love, love yeah? it. Yeah, like it's, it's perfect. Yeah. It takes like ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, the Berlin story happened during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I was invited to play at the Generator Hostel by a friend of mine called Echoes of October. I don't know if you've ever been to the Generator Hostel during uh, the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty fun place to, <laughs> to hang out. <laughs> totally not suitable for raves, but we tried to make something work over there. Um, and that's when I, that was my second trip to Berlin. But the first time that I stayed for a longer period, I was there for... Which year, when are we, like how... First summer of the pandemic. So first summer of the yeah, pandemic, so 2020. Yeah, exactly, mm. yeah. And that's the first time that I stayed in Berlin for like three weeks. And I got to know everyone, got a bit into the lifestyle. I was like, fuck, I like it so much more over here. <laughs> I compared it to my friends still uh, make jokes about this because I, I used to call them. And I'm like, this is like ADE land, <laughs> Amsterdam dance event. Because during Amsterdam dance events is when everyone comes to Amsterdam. And suddenly you have like all your friends from all over the world being present at one place. You hang out at their hotels, you go to their shows, you have food with them. Uh, and I would normally, like regular weekends in Amsterdam, you, you would only see them in a club a few hours. They would go again, like not a personal setting. And here I could hang out with everyone. Mm. So for me, it really resembled like the, the ADE feeling that I had in Amsterdam. And I love it because I'm like, in the music industry for so long and since yeah like I so many you, friends all are spread out yeah and it's yeah. my life like i yeah. say it's not a hobby it's not a job it's just for me there's no plan b mm. <laughs> this, this is my life now so for me it was like yeah, coming home in a warm bath or like having a family that i wasn't aware of yeah. um, and then also because amsterdam was completely shut down like nothing was going on uh, and we had the open air parties here in berlin I was like, yeah, why, why should I stay at home and sit there and complain? And well, I can be in Berlin and just continue the life at least a little bit. Um, that plus me not being tied to work anymore because also my work was in the event industry. It was all, it all stopped suddenly. So <laughs> there were like no strings attached anymore. And I was like, yeah, time for a new adventure. All right. And it's, yeah, it took me a year. I was in between like the, that summer that I just talked about and moving to Berlin took me a year. but best decision I made. Yeah? yeah. Okay, because Berlin is also a city that is very much tied to like, you know, like not so many, so not so many rules. The clubs are open very late. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you can, at least if you compare to many other places, you can be naked in the clubs. Yeah. It's not so like conservative. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, but if we compare like the, the alcohol and drug culture in Berlin mm -hmm. with Amsterdam, what would you say is the differences? I have a really funny story. <laughs> like, in, in, in I remember coming to Berlin the first time 
and a friend of mine was working at a I'm not gonna mention the club but was working at a club and giving me like a tour backstage and I uh, remembered like the first room that we opened was the staff room where they were having their breaks mm. and I came in and there was like a huge towel on the on the table with a big plate of speed and in Amsterdam, we also use drugs and people who work at events, and I know they take drugs, but it's very less obvious. It's out of sight. Um, so I think it's a bit, it, it's a lot more normalized here. Uh, and it's also something I like because I'm, we, are, we know it happens, why would we hide it? I mean, of course, you're not going to take drugs on the dance floor because it can damage a club or a club can be closed if there's a lot of uh, you know, people taking drugs out in the open. Um, but I think that's the biggest difference, the way it's being normalized here and it's just you know, part of life. Well, in Amsterdam, it's also part of life, but we're not so open about it. It's also the way people take drugs and here there's like this whole... Yeah, it's more legal in Amsterdam. I mean, at least yeah. the weed and the shrooms. Yeah, well, shrooms are not. Oh, really? Only the spores, They're super oh, okay. weird. You can buy the, the, the spores, but not the grown mushrooms. What's the, the difference? Yeah, still have to grow them. Um. Yeah, so you can buy your grow kits with the, 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 the unhatched mushrooms in there already, but you cannot buy like oh. fully grown mushrooms. Okay. You can buy fully grown truffles though. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. And same with weed, you can buy it in a coffee shop and, and you can smoke it, but the, you're not allowed to grow it. So mm. the coffee shops, like the stash magically appears, falls out of the air because yeah, there's no rules or regulations for growing weed in the Netherlands. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, so it looks a bit more like open, but I think yeah, that's more with these soft drugs like weeds and, and some smart drugs and psychedelics. But when it comes to like hard drugs and the party culture, then I feel Berlin you know, is a lot more open, a lot more, there's a lot more going on here. Yeah? yeah. Do you think, can you change, can you sense that the, um, the clubbers consume it differently as well? Can you sense the difference in the energies at the club yeah. or like what's your view on this? Well, when it comes to consumption, it's always funny when I have friends over from Amsterdam, there's such a big uh, difference in how they take drugs compared to people. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From Berlin, because in here, you know, these stories where people go in a toilet stall with, with 10, 20 people, stay there for 30 minutes, and like really make a social gathering out of like consuming drugs. Well, in Amsterdam, it's always like 
you just take a little key bump really quick. It's like in and out. Um, so always when I have friends over and we have to go to the toilets and endless waiting and they're always like, fuck, <laughs> we, we don't have time for this in Amsterdam. So that that's already uh, a, a big uh, difference that I noticed immediately. And I think energy-wise, it's it not that much of a difference. I do feel that and I'm saying we don't have this 24-hour culture, so you you can party for a long time, but you go from event to event to event, from club to club to club. You know, cannot like stay in a club from Saturday until Monday. That's that doesn't really happen in Amsterdam. So I, I do feel that in Berlin the energy is a bit more heavy. People take it further and longer and more to the extreme. While in Amsterdam it's a, it's a bit more chill, but in the end, yeah, two scenes full of ravers and well consume drugs it's and also a bit the same drug so energy wise I think maybe the biggest difference that I feel is that Berliners are maybe a bit more mature or a part of the Berlin scene is a bit more mature like raving and, and, and techno is it's, it's part of the culture here that's also a huge difference in Amsterdam it's entertainment here it's culture ah okay can you explain that further your, what you mean with this? Um, well, already, if you look, I think, at state level, is that clubs here in Berlin get a lot more money from the government. Uh, I think Bergen doesn't pay taxes, for instance, or less taxes uh, because of a tax exempt because they're a cultural institution. Mm-hmm. And these things are also not really present in the Netherlands. Um, yeah, they really see these businesses where, like, in Netherlands, we have more of a festival culture as well. And festivals are, of course, huge operations where people just go for 10 hours and you're like, you're like a product, you know, you come, you line up, your ticket gets scanned, you get search, so go in, have fun. And then exactly when the clock strikes midnight, it's okay, lights go on, music go off, fuck off everyone. And so, yeah, it's a, they, they see it a bit, like, that's what I mean with entertainment. People, more about entertaining than like, having spaces for a group of people or community and yeah taking care of them as well because i think netherlands is a bit more it's a bit harsher like i said it's like you get kicked out when the lights go on it's really strict i have a feeling that here in berlin it's a bit more careful and it's a bit more community based Mm. so to say do you think that the 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 care for the Club goers mm-hmm. is different in this sense, you mean? I do. Like people care for each other in a different way, like we are a community? No, I think, or... I think here in Berlin they understand a bit more like the, the, the needs and desires of, of ravers, like with these extended opening times, mm. but also like because Berlin clubs allow, I think, a lot more hedonism, so to say, they also have this responsibility to care of their people and of course it's not everywhere but there are a few a decent amount of clubs in berlin where like awareness teams for instance that's something i really saw here for the first time and of course it's now also happening in amsterdam but th- th- that's one thing i i saw and yeah also just the feeling that i have myself when i'm in clubs i just feel like hey it's okay to let go here and, and it's okay to go on a bender for for two days and and, and you feel safe uh, and it, it, it's a feeling, I don't know, maybe it's a personal thing, but it just, I also feel that the spaces are much more set up to facilitate these, uh, yeah, these, these kind of parties. And in Amsterdam, not every club is, is, is ready for it. Um, mm. 
So you still uh, party for two days straight? No, 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 no. I used to. <laughs> but you could. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah, would. yeah. Okay, I mean, I, I mean, when I like, I'm in Berlin now for two mm. years, and it's only like one year that that the, the club scene is open again. Mm. So of course, I fell in love immediately after that happened, and had my little honeymoon phase where everything was new and exciting. But I have to say now, no, I'm the one who goes home, even if I go out all weekend, I go home, take a nap, even if it's like four or five hours and then get ready again and come back. But I, I become uh, <laughs> I become not the most social and open person oh. when, I, when I'm up for longer than 24 hours. Then no. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I don't like it, no. But you did make a shift and started to take psychedelics as a party favor. Yeah. Um, that also happened recently. Um, I've never been the biggest fan of just like taking a big dose of mushrooms or, or acid at parties. Um, some parties are really good for it, but some situations can also be really overwhelming, especially psychedelics. And like, I see them more as a tool and a medicine, so I'd rather set up like or I go to a ceremony which is being organized by a group or a person or I do it at my own place where I make my own little ceremony ah, okay. and take the medicine and just sit. With, with the medicine you mean mushrooms? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't like to call them drugs. It's like, yeah, they're, they're plant medicines anyways. They're being used for thousands of years by, by ancient uh, civilizations and they're still being used as what I call them medicines in, in the Amazon by an indigenous people. Um, and that's, I think that's also the biggest potential you can get from, or that they have as a medicinal tool, uh, as a tool for healing, as a tool for becoming aware of yourself, but also things outside of yourself. And yeah, so, but one thing that really um, came out of nowhere suddenly in Amsterdam were, was liquid psilocybin. And do like this because it's like a small a small bottle. Mm. Uh, it looks like a bottle of G. It's like the same pipa, and oh. you just you just take a little drip. With G, you mean GHP? Yeah, just exactly. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. and um, yeah, you just drip. You take one drip, and it's a very it, it it's not the super intense psychedelic drip that you can get when you take like a full dose of mushrooms or acid or whatever. But it's a very light, loving feeling that you get from it. And I feel like it opens my heart and I like start hugging people. It's like it gives like really good vibes. And that's something then I, when, I, when I found out about this existing, because this was not, I never heard of this before. And I used it a few times. It was like, yeah, wow, this is such a much better uh, way to party than take all these chemical substances because less hangover or no hangover at all um, instead of like oh you, you can have a, a bad trip so to say but if you like make sure that your your setting and your your mindset are good then and you're a bit experienced then it's hard to have a bad trip I also always say bad trips don't really exist they just show you part of yourself that you might not like about yourself uh, and it can get scary or like I had in the ceremony that I talked about before that I was like trying to stay in control like that trip could be labeled as a bad trip but I learned a super valuable lesson from it even though in the moment itself I was at the point of crying and, and running out into the darkness so um, yeah with this yeah. with this psilocybin that, that like that for me that was my first that was when I really started using psychedelics uh, can I ask yeah 
what's the uh, difference between taking too much of this and feeling mm-hmm. like that's gonna that's showing you a part of yourself that you need to work with yeah. and taking too much of something that is more synthetic let's say like ecstasy mm, i don't know if it's yeah. more synthetic no, but no, like, no, no, yeah. um, it would change in the way that we see with synthetic drugs people really go bad i mean if, if you see people like um, taking too much G, for instance, we all know these horror stories of people yeah. dying in clubs or. But like, E, what what if you would compare? Because yeah, like ecstasy is then one of the most common party mm-hmm. flavors or party drugs. Yeah. So if we would just compare the two of them, like, what would you say is the main difference? Like, why would one of them be better? That. Now the main the main difference when it comes to taking too much, mm. I don't know. I never took too much ecstasy, so I, I don't know what what will happen to you then. Uh, but I can only imagine being a more physical reaction because that's the working clubs. So I've seen people with too much ecstasy on the first aid. It's like your body just starts overheating and and it's just too much. So it's a very like physical, and I can imagine also a very scary uh, reaction happening because you, you really feel sick. Like, and the thing with psychedelics is. It's, it's all in your mind. I, Can you ever take too much? No, I think people accidentally took like a thousand times the amount of acids that, that, that you should normally take. And I think they all came out of it without any problems. Now I need to look up the article to give you the full details, but it's 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 hard to take yeah, to overdose on psychedelics. I'm pretty sure you also cannot really die from taking too many uh, psychedelics, of course, depends on the substance, but you, you, no one ever died from smoking too much weed. Or, but with with chemical substances, yeah, there's of course the the risk of damaging your body, um, and I think that's all. That's that's the main main difference, I'd say. But yeah, again, uh, what was your intention of taking it? Was your intention of taking it to have a good time at a party, or was your intention when you took the substance to have a ceremony at home and learn something about yourself? And that also really depends on if you label it bad or good, so to say. So I think in the end, it, it's all about intention. Yeah. Um, Are there, like for the people, there, as we all know, there mm-hmm. are people who are kind of high like hunting the high feeling do you think it could be dangerous in this way not really yeah of course there's always like if you're chasing the highs you Mm. start to become depending depending on something um but it's hard to chase a high with psychedelics it's Mm. not like you can take another line and you get another rush i mean if you take another dose of mushrooms, you're going to be set for the next couple of hours. Uh, but also, it does. I think psychedelics don't really work like that. You cannot really add much. I think it has most important is the amount you take when you first take it, and then of course you can extend it a little bit or make it a bit more intense. But it's not the same. You cannot stack it, let's say, as you can do with chemical drugs. So it's also it's it's hard to chase the high, and it they have a self. Uh, an, an anti-addictive mechanism uh, built in it called um... shit. <laughs> I lost the word. Uh... We can cut and Google it. Yeah, no, it's uh... <laughs> when you take something a lot and you become. Resi- yeah, 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 become the... 
Swedish toleration. Resistance. Yeah, resistance. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the you 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 your tolerance builds up when, with with psychedelics. So um, at, at some point it just doesn't work anymore, and you just literally have to wait a couple of days or weeks um, to get it out and. Yeah, then you can, can, can have the effect again. It's the same with microdosing, for instance. You, like, there are these strategies for microdosing, um, and all of them have like a built-in month break. So you, you take like, you do it for a month, then you take a break for a month, because otherwise you're not gonna have the same effect, so you're gonna have to take more and more and more. So it's, yeah, it's really hard to chase the highs when it comes to psychedelics. And that's also what I like so much about it is when you go out, you don't feel the need to like go and take more and push it and push it and push it. It also intensifies everything. So like if you're, let's say you're used to taking chemical substances in, in, in a way, and if you're going to combine that with the psychedelics, it can work totally, can have a totally different effect on you. So yeah, that's that's why I like it so much. It just brings you down, and after a good like six, seven hours, it like wears you out. You get tired. You want to go home, go to sleep, uh, instead of like not being able to sleep and staying in a club for twelve more hours or twenty-four more hours. All right. So. Do you feel that uh, you uh, that there is a change that's coming right now where people are starting to party more on psychedelics or do you feel that you're maybe you and I don't know if you do it together with your friends mm -hmm. but that you are at the forefront if so to mm -hmm. say with this well I, I have to say in, in Berlin I yeah of, of course but I, I don't really notice a lot of people taking psychedelics I always when I talk about it, I always like people are a bit afraid. Oh, really, are you are you mushrooms right now? Like, like there's always a, because yeah, I think because it are psychedelics and they can have such a great effect on your mind. You can have these trips. I think people are a bit more hesitant because it's easy to take a line. You know what to expect, and it's always going to be like that. But with psychedelics, it's a bit more like. But, they feel a gamble. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, Whoa, what if I? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's the feeling I have here in Berlin. Like that's the most common reaction here in Berlin. But in Amsterdam, these liquid psilocybin drips that I was talking about, they are taking over, and like everyone, like so many of my friends are on them. But they're not legal to buy. No. No, no, okay, okay. No, no, no. So you buy them from the same dealers that deal G or? No, no. This is also because this was never like. I never had dealers or people like taking this or having this or selling this. This like, recently came out of the blue, and uh, it's also pretty hard to get get it uh, because they make it in batches. So when the f when a batch is sold out, you just have to wait, and they put you on a waiting list, and then they make a new batch. And if they have enough for your position on the waiting list, you will get some. But if they're out already, then you yeah you have to wait for the next batch again. So this is a, this is a little bit different. But yeah, in the end, you you buy it from a dealer. But I would say these are more I think people who are experimenting and also trying to make a change because uh, you, you don't go there to buy coke or pills or whatever it's just for this substance so i have a feeling it's more like hobbyists like people really trying to create something new and also in a beneficial way for the people taking it um yeah so that's mm. that's the difference but yeah I, I do think now like two i see two things one thing when it's really see happening both in Berlin and Amsterdam after the pandemic was G that really like took off. Uh, 
But in the same time, I also, and that's bringing people down, but in the same time, I also see these psychedelics. I'm not saying that that's bringing people up, and but it's, I think, it's a, a bit more... It's a different energy. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I hear uh, people speaking about this, mm-hmm. also DJs who notice when they go into certain rooms that the energy can be very low and that they can feel a difference depending on the city or club Mm -hmm. or you know maybe even the lineup somehow or like um and that it's just what you said like you know the low the low of g can be very heavy and create Mm -hmm. like an atmosphere where that is not so uplifting and free and like people go to clubs to avoid the pressure of society Mm -hmm. so it just kind of like works against it somehow yeah. yeah i think you said it very well and also have to say and i mentioned g but it can be any other drug where people take it too far like g is a very easy drug to take it too far with but it's like every room or place where people are just too fucked or too high will lower the energy of course and it doesn't really matter what substance you're on i think i think in the end it's more about how you take care of yourself and yeah also being a bit more intentionful about yourself when you go out and when you step into a club or a festival or whatever it's about like am i going there to get completely shit-faced because that's the energy that you will eventually transmit uh, when you're in such a space or in such a dance floor but I think if you're a bit more conscious about yourself and you don't take it too far, you you go, you don't forget to go home, you sleep, you eat well. I think those are the factors and also the substances you take that are contributing to like a higher frequency on the dance floor. Um, yeah, because mm. yeah. can I ask? So mm-hmm. like, if you come, because as said. In some rooms, the energy is heavier. In some rooms, it's more uplifting. Mm-hmm. So if coming to a room that with a pretty heavy energy mm-hmm. or pretty dense energy um, and you are on psychedelics, what happens? Oh, well, yeah. I had that, that, that one time. There was my one time that it, it was a bit too heavy for me and I, I went home eventually. It's when the psychedelics didn't really work out were the same mushroom drips. And I just remember like being on the dance floor and in the moment the energy was like super wild just like a boiling pan of water like super intense and i was really feeling it so i was like okay maybe uh, i should take a drop now so i took one and then when it started working like if, if you take psychedelics you will know that once it starts working you feel a bit drowsy it becomes heavier on your body it's like psychedelics are a bit of can be a bit of a downer like they calm you down they they ground you they and that was totally not matching the energy in the room at the time. So I was like, it's just way too much, way too intense. I don't know. I get this feeling that this is like, uh, that there is probably gonna be a shift to mm-hmm. how people use drugs as many people or like there are reports that it's increasing Mm -hmm. the use of drugs not only in germany but all over at least europe Mm -hmm. that i'm aware of um 
And maybe people are going to realize like it's not sustainable to use it in this manner. Do you mm-hmm. think that um, like going over to psychedelics or this form of party favor says anything or can say anything about the time that we're living in? Yeah, definitely. Mm, I think, well... <laughs> this is a very deep story uh, that I don't want to tell, but I think the the first part of what you said, like the people trying to escape from the pressure of society, um, I'm not sure if that's something you can change because in the end, this is my favorite subject. That all, like you call it society, I call it capitalism. I think we're all living under the struggle of capitalism, and a lot of people are not realizing that, and I see that as a as an invisible prison. It's like as long as you have to go and spend eight hours of your day to work for someone else who makes money over your back, I don't call that life. That's like, it's prison to me. And I mean, I think most people, if they skip one paycheck, they they will lose their, their houses or are not able to put food on the table anymore. So there's this constant pressure of, of surviving in our world. And even though we don't see it like this, we think we live in free Western uh, democratic society. It's like, I still feel that a lot of people have this invisible burden on their backs that they're not even aware of. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I don't feel that there will be like, that, that soon people will become like more lighter, more like open because everyone, like everything keeps getting more expensive. It's, it's Life is becoming more of a struggle. It's not becoming easier. So that's uh, a very sad story if you, if you look at the world like this. But no, it's reality. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately it is, and I would love like I would love to see, and I think they can be a tool for this transition. Is that psychedelics will start opening people's minds and start making people aware of what's going on in their worlds and that it's not okay, and hopefully they will get fucking upset about it, and I don't know, go in the streets and, and make changes or like force changes to happen that's something i think psychedelics can help us to reach but it's difficult and as long as you take these psychedelics just to uh, replace your chemical substances of course energy i think in general will be a little bit better but it's still a way to escape from the pressure and when you Escape or escaping from pressure, your intention is not like being high energy, like you're not, your frequency is not being lifted because you're bringing it down. You're, you're escaping from something, and what is escaping? It's in our world, it's taking substances and staying up for super long. And of course, that's not going to lift your energy and raise the spirit that's going to bring you down. And that's sad because we're all in these places to celebrate life. But in the same time, we're actually escaping from life. We're not really celebrating it. We're trying to, yeah, avoid it. Just get, get away from it. Yeah, mm. and that's 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 really sad. Um, but also something. Yeah, I think it it just is what it is. And it is what it is. Yeah, I hope I hope psychedelics will like be the acceleration or the catalysator of, of, a move, of a change of a movement. I mean, it already happened in the 60s and the 70s, of course. So I think there you have your answer already. It can definitely help for a change. But it's hard because like when I talk about this with people, most of the people don't seem to realize this and they think everything is perfectly fine as it is. This is just the way the world works. But you know, psychedelics and plant medicines 
not only, but they have like at least helped me to expand my awareness and consciousness and see that a lot of things are not like supposed to be like this. And of course, it is the way that things goes, but it's just because there are a lot of people making a lot of money and they're benefiting from it and they don't care about you or me or like the average people. Uh, and as long as we have this system in place, yeah, it's going to be super hard to to make changes. But yeah, yeah. In, in the meantime, yeah, I still don't blame people for running away from that because yeah, like that's their like. I'm happy for them that they can escape. And I mean, I'm, I always have to remind myself how lucky I am that I've been in this music industry from like such a young age because I still work and I also make sometimes like work extreme hours, but I'm always doing what I love. Yeah. And I don't have to go to an office and work for a boss that I don't like doing something I've. Like nothing it's not a part of my actual life it feels like you wanna yeah exactly yeah but there's so many people for whom that's yeah is, it's a privilege yeah yeah that's I, for sure to close this off this is like a recent mushroom trip is what showed me i went to the, the school in amsterdam took one of these drops but pretty late in the night so when i walked out when the club was uh, closing um it was like still active and it was beautiful. It was one of the first spring days. So I walked out, like coming in in darkness and you walk out and it was a beautiful day. I was like, I want to walk home. So I went to a coffee shop, bought a joint. And of course that, that, that made everything more strong. And the club is located in a park. So the first part of my walk was through a park. And I was like, amazing like nature looked so beautiful and was like just walking there just had a good night with my friends smoking a joint beautiful but then uh i had to go out of the park and walk a bit through town and that's when i started looking at all these apartment blocks and complexes and then i started realizing that like i was walking there like still being high enjoying life like but it was all because of like my music journey that i'm following in life um, but I was realizing that just like me, there are thousands of people like living in these apartments that I was looking at. And they all also had like their their lives like I have. And that, that already was like a super deep realization because mm. I never really thought about that. But then I became really sad because I saw this like, came, just came out of the park, everything beautiful. Then I was on the streets, everything was dirty, Reality. cars mm. everywhere, noise. And like... People who don't have like a passion in life or like something that they can find their ways in this fucked up system that like at least makes it a bit more yeah, bearable for them. That, that's really fucked. If you just grow up, you finish your school, you get your job and then for the next 40 years you just go to the office or I don't know, just destroy your body by doing physical labor and for someone it's, else. Yeah. yeah, it's rough. And for the people who are listening who are in this situation. <laughs> I don't know what to say. No, yeah. <laughs> no what? Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking if I would have listened to this and I'd be having a corporate job and not knowing my passion, <laughs> I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, well, find your passion would be good advice. Passion. But in the other way, that's also very privileged to say because some it's people... It's not so easy. Yeah, they might have a passion, but then try to make a living out of it yeah. or make a life out of it, so to say. So still yeah. having a passion. Yeah, but like finding whatever you... I, I got the best um, advice from a lady mm -hmm. one time and she said like, because I was feeling super lost in my yeah. early 20s and she was like, do whatever you think is makes you happy and then mm -hmm. you're going to find the right way. Oh. And I think that's the best advice anyone could ever get mm -hmm. because we are, at least we 
are very privileged to have this opportunity to yeah. actually do like we can have an extra job and then we can do things on the side we have you know mm -hmm. but yeah anyways yeah, nick nice. thank you so so much this You're was welcome. a beautiful episode i'm so happy to have you here <laughs> yes. thanks so again for inviting nice. me this was it for Playful Podcast this week, but please follow, subscribe and listen to our next episode. And if you want to have a say about future artists or even ask your own question to one of our guests, follow us on Instagram and make sure to add your question when we lift our coming guests. Thank you so much for joining and see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.